Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody. I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, and I would like to welcome you to Small Biz Chat Now, we have an amazing show for you. For more than 10 and a half years, I have been hosting Small Biz Chat. Now, you guys know that the whole reason why we started Small Biz Chat is to create a peer-to-peer opportunity for you to get business advice that you don't have to pay for, but that you definitely need. So listen, we're going to be talking to you about how to build your business without sacrificing your family or your health. I would love to introduce my very first guest, entrepreneur David Finkel. Now, he is the CEO of the Maui Mastermind, one of the world's premier business coaching companies, and he's worked with over 100,000 business leaders, helping them grow their companies. And what he likes to say is that he helps his business coaches or the people that he coaches grow their revenue five times higher than the average privately held company. Well, now, if that's not a result statement, I don't really know what is. He's written over 11 books. Many of them are Wall Street Journal bestsellers. And his latest book, he's going to be talking to us tonight, is called The Freedom Formula. With that, David, welcome to Small Biz Chat Live. Thank you so much, Melinda. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, listen, I always love to have a chance to speak with you. All right, so let's get down to it. Everyone talks about needing to work smarter, not harder. But how do we do that in the face of all the stuff that's coming at us? You know, as a small business owner, I got 10 full-time jobs, David. So tell me, (laughs) how in the world can I, you know, email, staff challenges, customer fires, You help me. I want to sit at the foot of the master tonight and learn how is it that I can work harder and not smarter and not harder in my business. Yeah. Well, first of all, the first thing I'm going to say is it's not about more. We all have this misnomer that I work more hours, I work longer hours, I work nights and weekends, I'm going to be successful. And we're inculcated. And I call that the, the time and effort economy. We don't get paid for hours. We don't get paid for effort. We don't get paid for attitude. We get paid for the results that we generate. So we need time, but we need a special kind of time. We need some of our best attention carved out in blocks. So the first thing I would share is we call it our buffet strategy. And so I love a good buffet. And so when I go to a buffet, the most important plate of food in a buffet is your first plate of food. If I have that first plate of food with nutritious vegetables and good quality proteins, I can eat all the other junk and still make sure that I, I partially fill my stomach with the good stuff and I've gotten the nutrition. Well, most of us, Melinda, we're filling our business day with junk. We're, we're working hard, we're working long, but we're putting all the good stuff in the remnant slivers of time, five minutes here, 10 minutes there. So the first thing I would say to anyone who's watching this is carve out what I would call a focus day. Now, a focus day could be even just a, a two-hour block, one day a week that you put as a recurring calendar appointment and, and just by doing that, you have two hours every week, three hours if you can squeeze it in, one day a week that you blocked off to do your high value activities in your best time. Eventually, you'll grow that where you might do that two or three days a week. 
think about that for a moment. You know that every week I have a two, three hour block. And then on my other days, we call those push days. I'm just pushing the things that I'm working on, taking care of the function of my job. I can still give myself a one hour block, a one hour block. And I, I might only carve out five or six hours over an entire 40 or 50 hour week, but that represents a full six to 12 weeks of my very best time focused on the most important things. And I still have all this other white space, open space, clear space to do stuff. And most of us don't do that. What we do is we get into the mode of, I'm working really hard, jumping from email to conversation to meeting. And it just is the wrong way to do that. We need to batch and, and collect and pull away some of our best time to give in an uninterrupted block to our most valuable stuff. Okay, so I need you to drill that down for me again, because I heard what you said. You said, I need to set aside two to three hours of time. Am I doing that every day? Great question. I'm not really sure. Yeah, so I'm going to start with, like I was talking with a client earlier today, and and, and one of her challenges has always been time. She runs an online retail business and also sells um, gift products in Hawaii all throughout the chain there. So for her, she might choose one day a week, Tuesday, from... 8.30 in the morning till 10.30, just a two-hour block once a week. She puts it in her calendar as a recurring appointment, whether I use Google or whether I use Outlook or whatever calendar program. So it happens and it's blocked off. That's my focus day. Later on, I might build a second day or a third day, but I start with just one. If I do nothing else out of this conversation and I did just that, I can count on eight hours per month of my very best time focused on those things that I know I should be doing that matter, that would progress my company. But in the past, I let get crowded out by all the other junk that just overwhelms me. So that would be the first thing to do. The second thing would be on those other days, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, depending which day I choose for my focus day, I call that a push day. I'm just pushing things one step further ahead. I can still carve out one hour on those days. I'll take the other seven or eight that I work to do time however I want to. It's like that that first plate of food at the buffet, that one hour chunk of time or that two hour chunk of time, I'm going to fill it with the most nutritious business activities, the things that actually make a difference. And if I do just that, that's such a simple, easy thing to do. I'm going to see a real lift to my results. We've watched it with hundreds of clients doing the same thing. All right. So I know that you briefly talked before about this time effort economy what are the five chains that hold people back in the time effort economy? That's a great question. So the first one is actually a medical condition. It's called controlitis. It's the inflammation of your control gland. And I don't know about you, Melinda, I suffered from it. Well, I mean, I, I had a control gland that wouldn't let go of anything. You can sure. ask my kids, you can ask my wife, you can ask any of my team members. And we got an amazing piece of advice. One of my, one of my business mentors, her name is Stephanie Harkness. She's actually my co-author for one of my books, Build a Business, Not a Job. And she had built and sold a a massive manufacturing company, former president of the national or chairwoman of the National Association of Manufacturers. Incredible woman. She said, David, I want you to grab an index card. So I did. I grabbed a three by five index card. She said, write the following statement on there. And I wrote it down and it changed my business life. I wrote down, I don't know. What do you think we should do? (laughs) And she had me every time a staff member would come to me with a question she said, before you reflexively solve their problem, I want you to just pause, pull out your index card and, and ask, I don't know, Sarah, what do you think we should do here? And on the flip side, I learned to add one more question. If it were totally up to you, what would you do here? 
And the interesting thing is probably depending on the staff member, 50% of the time, 80% of the time, 90% of the time, their choice is a good choice. And so when it is, I just simply say, you know what? That sounds great. Why don't you go ahead and make that happen? Two things happen. Number one, they're empowered. Number two, I'm training them over time not to come to me with lots of stuff. Right. Times they come up with a crazy idea. I ask them, well, why do you think that's the right choice? And if you couldn't do that, what else could you do? So that's one of them. Another one is a lack of strategic depth. If they look at their business, what happens is they're the main person. And if they're not there to do something, they're in a world of hurt, or they might have one or two key people. So strategic depth, we talk about in chapter four, the freedom formula says, I want to have the systems, the cross-trained team, and the culture that says we back each other up. And I can build that slowly over time so that Linda's not the only person in my company who can do X. There's a second person. There's some documentation about it. And when I do that and have a culture that says that's how we do it, that's how I can sustain these gains over time. And I, I love that because that's like the don't be the mama, right? Don't be in your business thinking for everybody. Um, so I actually teach people the exact same thing. Now, do you have one or, one or two more you can share with us? Yeah. So another one would be an outdated time habits. For example, we grew up in a world where time was something that we, we did get paid for time. We thought anyways, but now with ubiquitous you know, internet everywhere, smartphones chasing us down with feeds about you know, our, my Slack channel for, for my staff asking questions, WhatsApp messages, thousand emails a week. Our t- sense of how we, we have a model of how time work hasn't changed. We haven't built the buffers or filters. So I'll give you one more example. We call this the needle in the haystack. So Andrea, who I was mentioning to you before, she used to be like on top of her inbox, I would probably tell you 18 hours a day. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she woke up in the middle of the night checking it. That's how on top she was. She was terrified that she would miss an email that would be from a major customer or a key supplier. And I asked her one day, I said, Andrea, how often is there really a critical email? Out of how many emails before there's that one? She said, well, probably one in 5,000. I said, you're killing your quality of life for that one in 5,000. What if we design this better? Rather than having people deliver that emergency message to your inbox, what if you gave them a different way for them to get you in that one in 5,000 situation? You know, some companies we work with have created a hotline of a, of a cell phone that gets transferred around or forwarded to different people. Others have used WhatsApp or something, but a different channel away from e- email so that you don't feel like I have to always be checking during family dinners, during my kids' play, during our vacation. I've got to create better filters. And that's an example for it. Great, great. So how do you get free? I mean, like you, you, you do a good job of showing us the bad stuff we're doing, but you know, how do you break free from this? Yeah. So it's incremental. And I'll give a quick example about that. If I start carving out even just that focus day, let's say I take a three-hour block once per week on Tuesday. And I start asking for myself this week, what's the most important big rock that I can fill into that two or three hour block? Hi, I'm Melinda Emerson, Small Biz Lady. I know you might be thinking about quitting your business and going back into corporate America, but wait, before you give up, my new book, Fix Your Business, could give you a whole new lease on life. My 12 P's of running a successful business will walk you through step-by-step how to grow your business revenue, how to hire great people and streamline your processes and so much more. Grab a copy today of Fix Your Business and get your life back. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Small Biz Chat Live. We were just talking with David Finkel from his book, The Freedom Formula. You talk about better ways to leverage a personal assistant, better ways of, you know, kind of handling email. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I'm going to share three for just an assistant side. And these come from chapter two of the Freedom Formula. But the first one is, you know, I've been using an assistant now for 24 years. You're going to have different assistants over time. So one of the key functions for your assistant should be for him or her to actually create the system as they go of how to be a great assistant for you. You're not going to have the same assistant for years. If they're really good, you're going to promote them. Like, for example, Teresa, who's my company COO, about 11 or 12 years ago, she started as my assistant and she was too good to keep as an assistant. Others will leave just because things go on. Second, know yourself. Are you someone who likes to delegate by typing, by, by, by using some kind of text, or do you like to do it auditorily? If it's auditorily, my best suggestion, and I found this has saved me hours every week, I don't want to go meet with my assistant. I use a simple app, whether I use WhatsApp to do an audio recording straight to them. I use Voxer, V-O-X-E-R. And so what it does is it lets me, as a, as a moment strikes, I can just grab my phone. I can press two buttons. I'm recording on there. And then all of a sudden, I can just say, hey, Emily, can you please take care of X, Y, and Z? I'm done in 60 seconds. She can listen to it more than once. So when she goes through, I've learned that even if I delegate in person, I need to have her record the sessions because I talk a little bit fast and I want her to go back a second time. If she still has questions, she'll ask me. And the the final kind of uh, suggestion I have for the assistant, one list to rule them all. Don't have your assistant manage his or her deliverables in their inbox. Worst thing you can do, whether you use Asana or a different project management tool, have them put everything that they're doing for you on one rowing list. And as long as you see it on there, you start to trust they've got it covered. And that's what lets me not have to micromanage Emily. Um, although you'd have to ask her if I still do it by those little control glands kind of flare up every now and then. But in general, one list, kind of like if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, one ring to rule them all, one list to rule them all. I, I'm sorry, I'm a nerd. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, so nerds, nerds unite. Anyway, so listen, last question I have for you. What are some of the strategies that you can use to sort of like recover from time and attention distractions? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you that the two big things that have made a real difference, and I've watched it with clients that we have. Number one, they block off some time each day for for what they need to do from their business, but also to block off a little bit of time for them personally. Take a walk, have a healthy meal. Um, Some of my clients really believe very strongly, and I enjoy meditation. My wife's into yoga, whatever it might be for you. That's one. Number two, and I think this is really important, you cannot live in the always-on world of email. The moment you're in your inbox, I promise you, you're wasting so much other time. So for me, I will oftentimes go work from a different space. Like, for example, you can see my office behind me. There's a couch area back there. I do most of my writing on the couch there. If I'm on my computer where email is, it's really a distraction. Or right next door, I have my conference room. I might go in there. Or uh, I live in a small community called Jackson Hole. I like going to actually um, hotels, high-end hotels and going to the lobby. And I don't ask for the internet code. I know that seems crazy. I, I leave my phone off. And so for a two or three hour period, I can get a week's worth of value and it makes all wow. the difference. There are women out here who will hear you say, okay, you're a man and you're talking about how to have better work-life balance. Like you, you got a wife. So it's easier yeah. for you to have work-life balance than it is for those of us who are either single parents or yeah. 
you know, managing children, business and work. So family business and, you know, their life. So, so talk to me about, is this harder for women to do than it is for men? Yeah. Well, first of all, most of the things that are there, that are there, that's a very fair question. So I would tell you, first of all, I've used the ideas myself, but more importantly, half of our clients, 50% of our clients are women, um, many of whom are, are, are moms, not all, but many of whom are. 70% of our coaches are women, and 80% of my team members, many of whom are moms and single moms, use these ideas and, and that we work with. So these ideas have been tested in the toughest laboratory of all, the marketplace, and so they work. I get it. Is only a voyeur can get it. I mean, my, my friend Stephanie, I mentioned the mentor that I had. She'll be the first to say, you know, look, in her, her life, she's in her 70s, growing up, exceeding exceptionally. And she was on a presidential commission meeting once per quarter on the White House during the Bush administration. I mean, remarkable woman. She'll be the first to say everything in the business world, you have to be twice as good if you're a woman. And I can't understand that. But these time tactics absolutely work regardless of which, even understanding that if you're a single parent, let alone a single mom in that world, you're going to have more work on your plate, which makes it even more important for you to do things these ways. If you don't, you're starting with a, a you know one pace behind on the race of time management. You really need it even more. Okay. All right. What is your favorite business app? Yeah, by far, it's an app called Voxer, V-O-X-E-R. I use it with staff members. I'm an auditory delegator, so I go ahead and leave messages. I just make sure my staff knows they email me back because I read faster than I talk. I use it probably 20 to 30 times a day to hand off assignments and share information. All right, good stuff. David, what's your favorite podcast? TED Radio Hour. I just love the fact that it exposes me to ideas I wouldn't normally think about, and it does it in a real life. The author who wrote it was uh, Clayton Christensen and, and actually several other co-authors. Phenomenal book to take a look at your business and your life together. Interesting. All right, David, what's your favorite old school marketing tip? Yeah, by far it's the telephone. I know it's annoying and not the robocall part, but actually having someone get pick up the phone and make some outbound calls. You know, we have clients of ours that might have team members make a uh, hundred dials in a day and it's painful, it's boring, and it still works, even though it's hard to get people to pick up the phone. All right. All right. I'm, I'm ducking people like you. Okay. All right. Uh -huh. Now, Thank you guys so much. The mission of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure. And that is what we were doing tonight. I tell you, I do this because I want you to win in business. And I, I want to leave you with this. Remember, you never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody. This is Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, and we are out. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.